You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. to Force Perspectives uh, for the Mandalorian Season 3 episode, The Convert. Uh, I guess chapter, chapter 19, The Convert. Uh, I am your host, Michael Cohen, and with me, as always, my illustrious co-host, Joe Hogan. Tong days, am I right? Yeah, <laughs> two episodes in a row. That's two it. episodes in a row. That's it. Uh, that's it. And that, it, listen, listen, guys, if the last episode that we just recorded uh, of Rebel Cells is any indication, that's the only thing Joe's going to say on this episode. <laughs> Probably. It'll still be an hour and a half, but that's the only thing that Joe's going to say. That's it. Uh, All right. Bye, yeah. guys. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I, hey, listen. Uh, another great episode of the Mandalorian three weeks in a row. I think that makes it a hat trick. I, uh, man, not what I was expecting this week. No. And yet, and yet a wonderful, delightful surprise. I, uh, um, I have absolutely heard the idiots on the internet going, where's the Mandalorian in the episode of the Mandalorian. And I'm like, <laughs> Clearly, you guys haven't figured it out yet. This show is about everything. Uh, the Mandalorian actually like isn't even necessarily referring to Din Djarin at all times. So, you know, like, settle down. You know, and the Book of Boba Fett, yeah, it had a couple of chapters about Din. That's fine. They, they were chapters that were really important for the Book of Boba Fett. Because I'm pretty sure if Din wasn't there, Boba would have ended up dead, and his <laughs> rancor would have killed everyone in Mos Espa if Grogu wasn't there. So it was kind of important that they be brought back into that story, um, or at least it ended up being. And of course, it's all contrived, so uh, whatever. But this episode, I love it. It's bookended with uh, two fantastic moments. I, I, that the dog fight at the beginning is just like, oh man, this is some of the best yeah. Star Wars we've ever gotten. Like, yeah, that what was, a sequence! That was perfect action. It was a perfect yeah. action sequence. Um, I loved. I absolutely. I don't know if you caught this. I don't know how many people caught this. I haven't really seen anybody talk about it yet, because we're we're in the spoiler window. And although there are many people who are not respectful of that, most people are. The smart people generally are. So I haven't heard anybody talk about this yet. When Din does the move again, <laughs> he did it in the Razor Crest, right? We saw yeah. him do it in yeah, the Razor Crest. Yeah, I did crest, notice that. Where he goes up the Batwing move. Yeah, the Batwing, and he does it again, but this time in the N1. And I was just like, Din, you, you, you just, you beautiful son of a gun. I, yeah, like, incredible. I love it. I love it. He's just, he's got, he's got his tried and true. 
Uh, but it's fun because it's a new ship, right? If mm. you were doing it again in the Razor Crest, I'd be like, really? We already saw this. But because it's in the N1, it's like, oh, different ship, same same fighter, <laughs> right? Like it's not, it's it's definitely, it's not about the ship. It's about the pilot. Right. Um, and uh, uh, what, a, what a great scene. I mean, when uh, he's like, he's like, basically like drop me off i'm gonna i'm gonna take him out in the n1 uh and he and he just jumps out of the ship and uh these tie interceptors just whip past him and he uh and then he just rockets himself down and totally totally botches the landing (laughs) but uh it's okay we love him and he and he hops in that n1 and we're just like yes it's beautiful it's beautiful R five sliding around inside the gauntlet fighter. That poor thing, man. Yeah. Poor R five. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, all such great stuff, and uh, I, and and now Bo has nothing left. Who? That's a dangerous you know, spot. You know to what be though? In. Real quick though, before yeah. that, what's your take on her not mentioning the mythosaur? I, well, she knows what the significance of that is. And I think that she is afraid of where that could be leading uh, in terms of, you know, like, like, what does this mean for the people of Mandalore? Um, She's, she turned her back on Mandalore, right? She said, there is no Mandalore anymore. And then they go here. Like Din is the one who's like, I'm going to go and I'm going to prove that Mandalore is not dead right and uh, and he was right and so i think that she's a little bit um i think she's got a little bit of shame and i think that that's one of the reasons why what happens at the end of the episode happens because she's kind of like i think that that i think that it is a spiritual moment for her to see the mythosaur and she doesn't know what to do with it yet because she closed herself off to that what we saw her doing in the last episode before that moment was mocking the the legend right mm, true and then and then she goes down there and she sees that not only is the legend absolutely 100 percent unequivocally true it's still alive which means that mandalore is still alive which means that this attitude that she has of like there's nothing left to fight for which is how she was at the end of the first episode is she's been incorrect. Her, her, her entire belief structure has been shaken to its foundation just in time for her to be converted to a cult. (laughs) That's why I say like her, like the castle being destroyed, her having nothing left. It's a very, she's in a very dangerous position. It makes her very dangerous but then it also like she is i uh, she is at the mercy of the children of the watch now um i didn't i didn't take it that way her her keeping that truth i mean i think that's really interesting and i think i'm sure you're probably right cuz you're pretty good calling this stuff out <laughs> early on what was um, your read on it i man i just i don't know why i got the vibe that she kept it to herself specifically so that she could come back and be the one to tame it. And 
she could be the one to stake claim of see i'm i'm i should be mandalore i teamed the mythosaur but like you know didn't doesn't even get the opportunity to because he didn't know that was even a thing i mean yeah. i don't know what that would be against you know the claim with the dark saber or whatever but i don't know why i just got the vibe of her that that felt more deceptive than to me than her not being ready to process what it means um I need to go back and rewatch that scene with what you said in mind, because now I'm curious if I'm going to feel the same way after I see that again. But. Yeah, I think I think taken on its own, definitely like at the beginning of the episode, that that was how I felt was that she was keeping this to herself as like a, this is important and I don't want to let him know, because if I let him know, he's going to steal this the way he stole the dark. Saber. Right. Exactly. That's that's yeah. how I took it. Yeah. And I think that that's I th- and I think that it's structured in that way so that we have those questions so that so that so okay. that we we treat it that way we go like oh, is that what this is about or is it something else and but i think that that like by the end of the episode when the armor is like you've been redeemed as well and she's like but i i never took the creed and she's like did you bathe in the waters right like you were there you did it have you taken your helmet off since that happened? No. Then you're one of us. Like, then you just did. Like, you just did take the mm. creed. Like, that's what just happened, right? Um, and, and then there's this moment of, like, belonging. It's This is unbelievable that three weeks in a row we have an episode of Bad Batch and an episode of Mando airing on the same night with the same, like, just incredible quality and then thematic (laughs) elements that tie the two episodes together it's staggering to me that like this that the because because that's not a reach i'm not like i'm not like going like hmm, how can we connect these two disparate stories that are happening it's like no 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 pabu is absolutely that story is absolutely about the bad batch finding a place to belong right and go listen to rebel cells for more on that and then a whole bunch of other stuff, but we start talking about Pablo. I and and then the end of this episode is it's funny because it's actually like they're actually like they have completely opposite meanings, even though they're the same thing, right? Because Bo is now like a part of the clan; she's just been adopted into the Children of the Watch, but. Whereas the Pabu thing, we're like, yay, we're happy for the Bad Batch. With this one, it's like, this is not good. This is definitely not good. There's no good can come from this. This is going to go very badly. I don't know exactly how. I have some ideas. I think that the armorer is going to be the villain by the end of the season. But it's not going to go the way you want it to it's not going to just be a happy ending for dinner they're not going to like get mando married and clang their <laughs> helmets together um and you know have a vow or whatever like it's it that's not that's not how this story ends that moment at the end of of all of the 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 children like tapping her on the shoulder right as like you're one of us now is meant to feel scary it's shot and the music and the pacing of it is absolutely terrifying. <laughs> um, 
in like in such a great way i love it i love it so much i think that they they totally nailed that that tone um and i mean like i we could talk for half an hour just on those two scenes like the beginning and the end and then there's this whole thing in the middle it's like the most delicious oreo ever (laughs) because then there's just this delicious cream filling in between these two wonderful chocolate cookies uh and uh yeah what a what what a delightful episode because i i was was that on your end or my end that that sound i just heard like music i didn't hear anything oh okay um but anyways i i it's i it 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 just it go this went to places that i didn't expect the mandalorian to go right i we had kind of pegged this show at the beginning of this season as like listen guys if you want serious political stuff and like you know like what's going on in the wider galaxy then just wait for season 2 of andor just saying it <laughs> yeah this is not it this is a silly story about a about about uh uh you know i himbo knight and his frog wizard son um and now uh the uh his his sword girlfriend right like <laughs> like that's what this show is and then all of a sudden they're like no 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 we can do that too it's almost like it's almost like john favreau watch was like seeing stuff from andor and going like uh-uh uh-uh you're not the only one who gets to do this stuff um <laughs> And and for my money, I don't know. This is a lot more fascinating because in Andor, to to assert that hey, uh, this authoritarian regime called the Empire that is uh, that is actually like the machinations of an evil space wizard. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but they're the bad guys. It's like oh, okay, yeah, no, we did actually know that. We did actually know that from the first from the first movie in 1977. But I'm glad that you guys could reinforce that fact in the most like emotionally disturbing ways possible. So like, cool, that's, that's good. Like, let's do that and give me incredible anxiety and, um, and just stress me out beyond belief. Um, (laughs) all while making an incredible television show that deserves to be celebrated. But, um, but then, but then the Mandalorian was like, what if I told you that the New Republic's just as bad? <laughs> you're like, sorry, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you know how like those space cops showed up in season one and season two, and we're like, oh, that's cool. It's the guy from Kim's Convenience, and and the guy that also the the guy that also makes the Star Wars. They're they're space cops, and it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Are we cheering for them? I, I think so. I think maybe, and it's like, yeah, but they're space cops. Like they look like they're rebel fighters, but they're not. They're New Republic, but they're absolutely space cops. Hmm. And uh, what have we learned about cops in the last few years? You know, maybe there's an institutional thing going on here where it doesn't matter who you're serving. Uh, when you give people that kind of power, they abuse it, and it's and it and it and it becomes an issue. I. Uh, and uh, you know, maybe maybe there's a four-letter acronym for that, uh, and we don't need to say it on this podcast because I don't want to be accused of making Star Wars political. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, 
but I I would posit that maybe there's an idea that all space cops are bad. Um, and it doesn't matter if they're New Republic space cops or Empire space cops or, hey, guess what? The Jedi who were the old Republic space cops, which is kind of actually George's whole point in that in that trilogy that like this is not what the Jedi were supposed to be. They're not supposed right. to be cops. Right. Like that's, that's not their role. And like Palpatine tricked them into being more, even worse than space cops. They became space warlords for the Republic. Right. Um, and instead of using droids, they used living beings. Let's just stop and think about the morals of that for a second. The separatists are like, Hey, government overreach is really causing problems. This is the this is the overall separatist ideal uh, ideology, right? It's not Dooku and it's not it's not the Techno Union and the Trade Federation. This is like the um uh oh man, I just had his name. I I the guy that like there's a the little bit of a romance thing with Ahsoka. Lux Bonteri. Uh, Lux Bonteri, right? This is this is the Lux Bonteris of the world, even the Mandalorians, right? Where it's like, hold up. I don't think the Republic is good. I think maybe the Republic is actually corrupt and there are some serious problems that we need to look at here. And the Jedi are like, no, 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 we defend the Republic. And then the Republic is like, well, we found this clone army. Actually, you guys found it for us. So we're going to ask you guys to lead them into battle against a bunch of, against a bunch of droids. So who's using the droids? The separatists are using the droids. Why are they using droids? Um, I don't know because the trade federation uses droids because I guess it's cheaper than soldiers. It's like, well, maybe, maybe, maybe actually, I mean, like let's have a conversation about droid rights, but, but maybe actually like they, they, they don't, their resources are so meager that they don't want to sacrifice living beings in order to fight for their ideology and their independence. Right. It sounds a little bit like, like maybe they're the good, like maybe the separatists are the good guys sometimes, <laughs> right? There are heroes on both sides and maybe the authoritarian regime that is the Republic. That's like, well, we have a few million of these disposable human beings um, and we're just going to throw a whole bunch of them at your droids and a bunch of them are going to die, but we're going to stop your droids because they're like better than droids because they can think. So it's worth the sacrifice of living beings that, um, we don't know. We we didn't actually ask for them, but then like, but then like Obi Wan found them, and then they were like, "Hey, these belong to you guys." And so we were like, "Yeah, cool, just use them, I guess." And the Jedi were like, ah, "I guess we're okay with that. It's completely against our ethos, but we're gonna do it anyways, um, because you know, because because it's the greater good, right?" And that ultimately leads to the downfall of the entire Republic and the formation of the Empire and Darth Vader and Emperor Palpatine at the head of that get rid of that regime and then you just put the new republic in and guess what nothing changes on coruscant <laughs> like how fantastic is that moment after pershing gives his speech and he comes out and these disgusting one percenters are like man this is fascinating stuff I, I, and like, they're talking to him about someone's like, you know, like, like, uh, the, the one guy says something and then somebody's like, you mean, well, it's not the empire anymore. And he's like, yeah, yeah, right. Whatever. I, uh, it doesn't make a difference. Right. Like the money still spends the same sort of thing. And it's like, I, 
I, it's just like that, that whole aspect of it, like that for the rich, for the wealthy, for the people in power, nothing changed, mm. whether it was the Republic, the empire or the new Republic, their lives have been exactly the same the whole time. Like what, like Andor spent an entire season, 12 episodes getting across these complex ideas. And then John Favreau comes in in this one and goes like, I think I can do it in three lines, actually. I think I can do it in three lines. And I can do it in the place you least expect it, which is like, you remember when the good guys won at the end of the Battle of Endor? Like Return of the Jedi is like, we had those fireworks over the the teddy bear tree houses. And we were like, we did it. And it's like, yeah, yes, you did it. And they toppled the statue and Bespin was free and Tatooine was like, yay. And then Cobb Vanth got to be a, a marshal and all that stuff. And that's cool. But uh, but then the next day, people woke up and went back to work. <laughs> like they just got up and just they just kept doing what they were doing. Uh, and and. Uh, n- nothing has changed. The 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 wealthy stayed wealthy, and continue to profit off of all this stuff. And it actually like this is the very first time since the sequel trilogy premiered, right? Like since we first saw the Force Awakens, that I can say, I guess they never won the war. That's why the Force Awakens happens. That's why the First mm. Order is there. That's why the New Republic gets destroyed, is because the like the, like the the war actually never ended. Just like how like we're watching Bad Batch and we're like the Clone Wars have ended. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. Palpatine just stopped fighting, but the war is still happening. You guys just don't realize that he's playing been playing you guys the whole time and and now there's like this aspect of like even once he's gone even once he's dead the things that he did are still affecting the galaxy for the worse Mm. and even like when those imperials are captured and rehabilitated they get turned into numbers completely dehumanized wear this outfit you guys all wear these matching outfits put this badge on you're a number and not a person as a jewish person watching that i'm like oh the new (laughs) republic are not good guys they're not good guys at that point the second that this you can't leave this area yeah yeah like stay in this in in this little place yeah and and we're gonna put you to work even though you are a brilliant scientist we are going to end like, yeah, okay. We're not going to continue your cloning stuff because your cloning stuff is unethical. And you know, yeah, the empire was letting you do that because they were trying, Hey, Hey guy, Hey Pershing, they're getting you to clone the evil emperor. That's what, that's what you've been working on, bud. Like that's <laughs> what you've been working on. It's not, you're not saving people's lives with cloned hearts. You are cloning uh, an evil space wizard. That's the point. That's the whole point. I. Uh, but he doesn't know that. Um, but it's like, even though he's a genius and can work on, like they could have him working on any number of, of scientific uh, uh, advancements or whatever, like initiatives, they've got him cataloging Imperial technology for 
destruction, right? Like to, for, for being dismantled, mm. uh, which is really not even something that needs to be done. Right. Like it's one, it's one of those bureaucratic things of like, no, you got to log all this stuff so that we can destroy it. Um, and it's like, why? Well, so that we have a record of all the stuff that we destroyed to what end <clears throat> to put in the records or is somebody going to use those records for something? I don't know if they want to know. <laughs> okay. What would they want to know? What we destroyed? What are you destroying? All this Imperial technology. Why? Cause it's Imperial technology. So we good keep logging this stuff, okay? <laughs> um, and it's really just menial. It's just a menial task to give them something to do to keep industry going to fuel the economy, right. Right. right? It's like it's just like it's so so on point and so succinct, right in the middle of a Mandalorian storyline of like, hey, we saw a dragon. We saw a really, really big dragon. Remember that, guys? And then and then they got in their starfighter and they fought some TIE fighters. It was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Um so now so now um I how do you feel about Imperials being treated like Jews during the Holocaust? How about that? <laughs> yeah, that any thoughts? Weird. Any thoughts? Was, and it's like weird are they bad guys? I don't know. They're supposed to be bad guys. Aren't all the Imperials bad guys? Just following orders isn't an excuse, right? But like these guys were kind of just following orders. They thought that they were the good guys. They literally thought that they were, that they were fighting for peace and, and, and justice and order in the galaxy, right? Like that's why these other dudes were there it's so clear and it's and it's clear because of of uh, uh katie o'brien's character what's her what's her character's name uh elia kane yeah yeah something um who is obviously like like she's just found a new way to be a bad guy right yeah and 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 like this is the like that the end of the episode with that moment is our confirmation that all they did was take down the cogs and put up the 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 bird the 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 starbird right like that's that's all they did they just repainted everything no different than when the acclimators and venators became imperial star destroyers right like it like we see it in bad batch we we've seen it from the other perspective where it's like all like we, we we saw that that ship in in uh in uh, like a couple episodes ago and it was just like oh that's a like that's a clone wars era republic battleship and they just took the red markings off of it they just got rid of the republic insignias right but it's the same ship mm. and now it's being used for evil right these these gunships that used to be a symbol of like oh my god the clones are here to save the day because every time every time those gunships would come in during the clone wars you were like oh my god the cavalry's here right like it was such (laughs) a like those those gunships were like a symbol of the might of the the grand army of the republic right like they they were there that design is so good because it just instantly always evoked that for me of like oh here they come Right, like here come the good guys, and then they turned it around in a couple weeks ago in Metamorphosis, and it's like, oh, those are Imperials now. Oh, they're the bad guys, you guys, and now we're flipping it again 
in Mando where we're like, it's Coruscant. And it looks exactly the same as it did when it was Imperial occupied Coruscant, which looked exactly the same as it did during the old Republic, like during the fall of the Republic. Like it's like Coruscant never changes, which is, I think why, like in the story, they set up the new seat of the government on Hosnian Prime. Actually, in I don't know if you know this in in the in in some of the legend stuff. There's a thing of like it um the seat actually moves. It's not it's not in one place anymore. It's not like it was with Coruscant like with the old republic whereas like just Coruscant was the capital of the galaxy. Mm-hmm. It uh, cuz it was on Chandrilla and then oh, really? it moved from yeah, so when it when like immediately following um Return of the Jedi, when the New Republic established its government, they established it on Chandrilla because Mon Mothma was the chancellor, right? Um, and then, and so like Leia and Han are on Chandrilla setting up the new government, which is why Ben Solo's home planet is actually Chandrilla. Because uh, really? he was born, cause he was born there because that. That, because that was the seat of the government at the time. But by the time that we get to The Force Awakens 30 years later, it's it's on Hosnian Prime and it's because it's like it's Hosnian Prime's turn. It's like it's like the Olympics, right? Like how the Olympics goes to like different host cities okay. um, so that like no one place owns the Olympics. Right. Um, was the idea back in the day. Oh, okay. And so it's the same. It's the same thing where it's like I and I think that there's three or four planets that had been like the host to the, the Galactic Senate. Um, and, but I, I know that like Chandrilla was the first one and then Hosnian Prime was obviously the last. But I, uh, yeah, like, like, I, I, they, they've, they've formed this, like, they, they formed it away from Coruscant, I think, for that reason. Like, that was like Mon Mothma's ideology. It was like Coruscant is actually part of the problem. Like, it's like, it's not, Palpatine took advantage of it, but it was there. It was always there. Like, this, this economic center of the world, of the galaxy, is corrupt it's just like it like um and i love it we we see we go to the little carnival or whatever and we see what no no, no. Pre- not little carnival or whatever okay that was the the uh the like the center from clone wars where obi-wan yeah. meets up with satine when she's in hiding during the mandalore plot correct I was I was getting there. I was getting there because I, was I like, mean you said whatever. I don't, I don't, yeah, that upset yeah. me. I was like, that's a that's a Clone Wars location, Michael yeah. Cohen. Um, this is important. But, but we get to see the, the 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 peak of the mountain, right? Yeah. Which yes. Which we the Very first cool. time that we got to see that was in Clone Wars. Um, and uh, yeah, like so we get that whole moment. Uh, but that is to remind us that Coruscant is a it's Coruscant's a dangerous place right it's like where are we standing right now we're standing mm. at the peak of the tallest mountain on the planet and they say that this is the only place on the planet that you can actually see the surface because the city is so big that it reaches the peak of like for our analogy here, it's like this is like the peak of Mount Everest, right? Or the peak of like K two. I don't. I don't remember which one's the tallest. Um, but I, I, like that's the idea here, right? Is that like, and for those of us who know, those of us who've spent a lot of time in the Star Wars galaxy, we know that there are levels upon levels, thousands, 
underneath that beautiful pavilion, right, <laughs> of people that have never seen the sun. Which is, like, staggering to think about, right? That, like, there are people <laughs> who live their whole lives closer to the core of Coruscant that, like, that never make it up to the surface. It's a different planet to them, right? Like, it's a completely different world. In the way that, like, there are people who live in the Midwest who will never see New York, right? They'll never they'll never see one of, like, the coastal elite cities, right? They'll live their whole life without without ever going there. There, it, um, it blew my mind when um, I was watching something the other day. I can't remember what it was. And uh, somebody was mentioned the person that was with them. He's like, oh, this is the first time ever seeing the ocean. I was like, the first time seeing the ocean? Yeah. Where does this guy? And then I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, there's probably a large percent of the country who has just never traveled out and have has seen the ocean. For me, I've grown up next to it my entire life so for me it's like oh the ocean that's always there but like that that perspective never really even dawned on me that oh yeah that's that's a thing yeah yeah a person a person who lives their whole life never seeing the water that has whales in it (laughs) right like (laughs) like you phrase it that way and it's like wait a second what no because as i mean i grew up in vancouver right so uh, it's same same thing for me. It's like, uh, what do you mean you've never seen the ocean? Like it's 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 fifteen minutes away. I uh, miss it. Yeah, <laughs> but I uh, but yeah, like so, Coruscant's not a Coruscant is not a good place, right? Coruscant is a place that is built on the backs of uh of like a very literal proletariat <laughs> under underfoot. And we got little glimpses of that in Andor as well, right? When when Cyril Karn goes home and his home, his childhood home, is this like depressing concrete slab of an apartment with his mother, uh, that also doesn't see sunlight. Right? And that's not even that far below the surface, I don't think. Like the implication mm. there is that like that's you know, he's like he's like in a crappy suburb. Right. As opposed to like the people that we've seen in the Clone Wars that are like on level 1313, where it's like, yeah, I maybe I guess maybe if you make it to one of those spaceport holes, you look up and see the sky every once in a while. But mm. but uh, but most of them are just toiling away in obscurity, literally underfoot, <laughs> you know, like like what a what a dystopian idea that we never really i uh, it's only ever sort of like touched on like like it's a very surface thing of like oh yeah coruscant's got all these levels and the levels underneath kind of suck but it's you know if you're a criminal it's okay uh because you can get away with a lot of cool stuff um it's a great place to hide like that's how like that was always the thing in the clone wars it's like oh we'll go to we'll go to the lower levels because we can hide there um, like the Ahsoka story and and uh, and and stuff like that and Asajj Ventress and whatnot. It's like okay, fine, but like let's talk about let's talk about what's really going on here. The the Martez sisters stuff kind of got into it a little bit, right? Mm. But but not um, not overly, just sort of in like a in like a you know uh, uh, these these sisters are tough because they've grown up in this environment, not like this is a huge injustice and somebody should do something about this sort of way. Um, but yeah, 
So Coruscant's a bad place. Uh, and all the people on Coruscant are pretty bad people uh, because they just kind of like, they just kind of like go with it. They just, you know, they let's, we'll have our glowing popsicles and listen to our, uh, our, our uh, happy version of the March of the Resistance. While I we love look at that. The, I thought that was so cool. Yeah. The tippy top of this mountain. Um, and, uh, and she, she plays the gag on him, which is so good. Like the, you knew that was going to happen. Um, yeah. Uh, you, you, ju- you jump in with some stuff. Cause I've talked a lot about this one as well. So I want you to do some talking. Tell, oh, tell me some stuff that you liked in this episode. I mean, really a, a lot of the things I was digging was, uh, was the Easter eggs. And I think there, there were a few, right? Because there was, okay. So there was the Clone mm-hmm. Wars location. There was the mountaintop. There was the uh, March of the Resistance. There was the um, the drink that she says she's going to buy him. I'm pretty sure it's a Galaxy's Edge drink. Um, it's like Fuzzy Photon or something like that. Um, well, fu- Fuzzy Tauntaun is a drink for sure. No, it wasn't a ta- She didn't say Tauntaun. But that's no. not what she said. Yeah. No, something else. All right. Maybe I'm misremembering. Um, yeah, I uh, this episode, I mean, obviously it was a big surprise. None of us really saw it coming um yeah we knew from I, the trailers that we were going to get coruscant stuff but i don't know that any of us expected it to be this type of a coruscant story it, right? i i thought elia was killed in the season two finale because i remember her getting like shot in the chest and going mm-hmm. down you know, on the bridge when uh when they took the bridge um so i was at first i didn't think it was her and then when it kept you know, especially like I did. Oh, my God. Speaking of uh, Easter eggs, the, the opera house from episode three was awesome to go back. Yeah. There. Yeah. Um, plus, like the fields, not the field, the um, like the big open space um, from Attack of the Clones, the Zam Wessel chase and that like tunnel area thing. I don't know if it was the exact same building, but all of that stuff felt like the same area. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm just gushing that. Oh, it's that thing that we've seen before. But. I, I do, I understand why people don't like those types of Easter eggs and feel like it's shoehorned. So like, I understand where they're coming from, but it does feel connective to me. It does feel like we're, we're, I don't really know how to articulate this. I I like going back to places that we've seen before and seeing how much they've changed and how they haven't changed. And you mentioned, you know, Coruscant is the same, but different, but really mostly the same, but I don't know. I don't know what it is about it. It's just something that I like. I like seeing the difference and I like seeing, because like there's this weird, um, there is, there is a difference. There is a difference with how the new Republic yeah treats you know people who would have been prisoners of war there is a difference in how you know they you know there would be no rehabilitation it would just be oh okay you're going to be sent to a, a a working camp only and you know or you're just going to we're just going to straight up shoot you we're just going to kill you cuz you're yeah. you're dead weight um it's. It, I mean, like, I think. I think that the interesting thing here is that it's the it, it's the opposite of what we see in Andor, which is that like right. in Andor, yeah, exactly. the the Empire is using these bogus, 
uh, like judicial uh, things of like like oh oh you jaywalked now uh, yeah uh, one million years twenty time, years right? yeah yeah so like and, and sending people off to these places to build the Death Star right like that's ultimately what that's about is that they need they need free labor mm. in order to build a battle station right. Mm. And then, but then what we see with the New Republic is that they are, they have a public program that they are using as a PR tool in order to make prisoners not prisoners. We're rehabilitating them. They have freedom. Look, they can go, they can go to the pavilion and have a popsicle. Okay. They need to check in with their parole officer every 48 hours or whatever. And, you know, like, like uh, make sure that they're not, you know, psychopaths or whatever. And they have to wear these uniforms and they have to do this and that. Um, but what do they have them doing? They have them dismantling Death Stars, essentially. Like, yeah. they're, it's Star Destroyers. But, like, they have them doing the opposite thing, right? Like, it's just everything is the opposite. Instead of it being a secret, it's publicized. Instead of it being building a Death Star, it's dismantling the war machine, right? But but they're doing the same thing which is that they're using their political opponents as a means to an end right um mm. under the guise of rehabilitation and it, and i say the guise of rehabilitation because at the end it's like that's a mind flayer and they're like no it's not it's a, yeah. it's it's a similar it's a it, you know it's kind of yeah okay yeah it is the same thing but like we're it's on a low setting it's though so low, don't worry about but it good Right, a couple, so, it's gonna, you're going to be happy after this. It's speak, like, yeah, speaking we're of do shock therapy, I, I'm curious what your take on what it is. Elia's, I hope, man, I hope that's her name because that's what I keep calling her. What are her motives? Do you think she's trying to clean up the mess that Pershing was there? Or do you think she's trying to kind of maybe not brainwash him, but like. Because I, I, I'm trying to put my finger on, is he still useful to the Empire? Because they obviously still want him, well, I think they want him to do what he was doing for them, to continue doing for them. Um, but this almost felt like a, well, he's a loose end, we have to clean him up kind of yeah. thing for me. I think she's absolutely working for Gideon. She's still working for Gideon. Um, and, but she's doing it as a mole from within the new republic no no, no. i follow right? that but i mean like what exactly is her goal to, with pershing specifically yeah what is, what because, is she doing? because because like we have to remember that everything there's a difference between the imperial remnant and whatever gideon is a part of right gideon and and the whole the whole thing of like we need grogu all of that there's something else going on there that's bigger than the imperial remnant because the imperial remnant not that they've ever called it that in this, but like like what we would have considered that in the legends stories was I I Werner Herzog's character, right? Like the mm -hmm. like these warlords, these imperial warlords with these crappy stormtroopers and all of that sort of thing. Gideon has resources. He's getting something from somewhere, from someone, right? What is that? It's the first order, <laughs> right? The first order is out there. We know where the first order is. Actually, they're on Exegol, right? So this, like the, like her orders are coming from Exegol. Whether she knows that or not is a big question. 
but that's ultimately where it's coming from from the 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 sith eternal right like they're Mm. the ones ultimately pulling the strings i don't know in the timeline because we don't have any we don't have anything concrete at this point about whether or not palpatine has been resurrected right or whether or not like they're in the process of trying to do that for the first time pershing was obviously a part of that program he was working towards that goal, even though they had him convinced that he was, you know, doing science to grow organs or whatever altruistic thing. Cause I think that he truly believed that he's doing the right thing and that his science, his, his work and research was going to lead to beneficial things for the new Republic that they just couldn't see it because they have all these hangups about cloning. Right. So mm-hmm. he's like, it's, I think like he's looking at it and he's going like, no, this is like stem cell research. Right. But what he doesn't realize is that they're like, yeah, 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 we're growing stem cells so that we can resurrect the emperor. <laughs> right. And I don't know that I don't I don't think that Kane knows that either. I think that she's just following orders. Mm. I think those orders are coming from Gideon. I don't think Gideon knows what this is all about. I think that Gideon has an idea of like this is about restoring the empire. I don't think that he realizes that restoring the empire means literally restoring the emperor. Right. So, and so there are layers going on here because we've also got Snoke somewhere in the galaxy and and we don't know the story there. We do know that there's a connection between Snoke and Luke and Leia and all of that, because Leia talks about Snoke of like, like no Snoke tricked Ben like he tricked all of us right like it like she kind of she never really says it says it but she kind of says it that like snoke was able to get close to ben at some point and that's where they screwed up is that they allowed this like what turned out to be a dark side force user to have access to their son and that's what put him on the path to the dark side right Mm. So like that's also happening somewhere in the galaxy. Whether or not Snoke has been decanted from his pickle jar yet or not is is also unclear because we just we just don't have enough information. But but all of that is going on and the first order exists at this point in time the first order exists. The Imperials that Gideon is working for are first order Imperials, if that makes sense. Like they're like as yeah, opposed yeah, to fine as opposed to the Imperials that were left over after the battle of Endor. Right. Right. The ones which like those, I I feel like those are the ones that did like, like that, that um, executed like operation cinder and stuff like that is like, those guys ended up becoming the Imperial remnant. They've, you know, the battle of Jakku is where that all kind of ends. And then it's just, and we're, uh, we're post battle of Jakku at this point. Right. I think we are. Cause that's, the Battle yeah. of Jakku is like five years after Return of the Jedi, yeah. and we're like seven or eight years now, right? So we're yes. somewhere in there. Yeah, between I, seven I and think, nine yeah, years. even even at the start of The Mandalorian, we had already finished. Yeah, yeah, and I think they might yeah. even have referenced it at some point. But, um, like, like so, so, like, the, Werner Herzog's character is, like, one of the guys that sort of survived through all of that, took his stormtroopers and became a warlord in the Outer Rim, right? Mm-hmm. Where the New Republic doesn't care. Um, on, on navarro right i but but gideon is hooked into like the source like like into into 
the first order and they're like supplying him with new ships and new armor and all of the things that, that they need in order to continue the research that they have to continue, which, which I think we also saw some of that on Navarro, but it was like, like in season two, when we see the facility, but it's like, when we saw that facility, that was different from what we saw with, with the client, right? Like his stormtroopers were dingy and broken down and, you know, taped together. Right. But then we saw the stormtroopers in that facility on Navarro, and it was like, wait, these guys are like Gideon's people, right? So it's like clearly those are also first orders, first order Imperials, right? Um, and then we see we see the clone tubes, and it's like, okay, this right, that's what yeah, this is. That's exactly. what this is about. Um. So yeah, so like there, the, Gideon was not the only one. There's a there's a larger contingent of them out there because obviously Gideon has been defeated and his ship was taken by the mandalorians right by 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 uh the night owls and now they're off using that ship to you know cause havoc all over the galaxy as mercenaries right but then where are all of these imperial ships coming from in the beginning of this episode they're obviously they're they're interceptors which means that they didn't get there themselves they don't have Mm -hmm. hyperdrives so there's a cruiser somewhere uh, uh, on on uh, what I can't remember the name of that planet, uh, Kalavala. I yes, I, yeah. So like obviously like the cruise because because the the bombers come and like the, there's all these interceptors and stuff. So um, there's another there's another moth that we haven't met yet, right? And I think like, but I also think that like Gideon is still in play. Because I also think that like the New Republic is probably not all New Republic. I think there's probably a lot of Imperial sympathizers inside the New Republic. And that's what we're kind of driving at here. And I think that there might be a little bit of a storyline of like to make it a little even to make the First Order even more of a cautionary tale for our current political uh, uh, and, you know, ideological culture wars that are going on right now of like, hey, um, there are Nazis in the United States, mm. not not people who 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 are racist, you know, not people who are anti-Semitic. There are literal Nazis in the United States. <laughs> Actual friggin Nazis. Yeah, you just you just you just don't know that they're Nazis because they don't broadcast it to people. Except like this weird thing happened when Donald Trump became president, oh, where man. all of a sudden they started broadcasting that they were Nazis. I wonder, I wonder what that timing has to do with anything. Um, and I'll let it, people draw their own conclusions as to whether or not Trump is directly responsible for that. Um, I personally have my own feelings that you guys can probably guess. <laughs> I, it doesn't, doesn't take much, but I think that we're going to get a little bit of that within star Wars as well of like, there are, there are definitely Imperials. I mean, we see it like, 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 Kane is one of those Imperials. She's apparently working for the New Republic. Yeah. They're like, good job. Like, mission accomplished. You rooted out another one. It's like, rooted out another one. She this was entrapment. She tricked him into doing this. I and and but she did all of this to get him into that position in order to wipe his mind because he has sensitive information that the First Order doesn't want the New Republic to know about. That I that's what I firmly believe. I think it might come back later of like 
Pershing is important and he has information because whatever is going on, like ultimately the ultimately Din and Grogu and all like, they're going to have to do something about Moff Gideon and, 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 and the ongoing threat that, cause like they're come they, they, they're coming after Bo-Katan, right? So mm. they're not done. They're not done with Din and Grogu either. Right. Um, which I think like at the beginning of the season, we thought like, oh, that chapter is closed, especially with the way that the first two episodes went. And then this episode just opens all of that back up and goes, no, 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 no. There's still lots of Imperials out there that have resources and are going to be coming after Grogu. Like we're not, we're not out of the woods yet. Right. Like it's, it's, it's still happening. Um, so yeah, like there <laughs> There's a lot to unpack in this episode because this we're talking about like the huge saga implications of this storyline. And we haven't even really talked that much about like the individual component of Pershing and his journey in this. Uh, and that like like this guy is uh, in a different circumstance, a hero. Right. Um and he gets taken advantage of. He was taken advantage of initially by the Empire, and then by by Kane, and uh, and he's being ta- he was being taken advantage of by the by the Republic, the New Republic, right? Like it's it's a this is this is a very tragic story. Pershing was screwed no matter which way he went, mm. right? Um, and he was in a very desperate position, and that's where she comes in and like absolutely capitalizes on that in order to to follow like carry through the orders that she's been given by whoever she's been given them by. So, I'm excited I'm excited to see who that is. Like I'm excited to find out that like I don't know, maybe Thrawn has something to do with it, right? And this is going to tie back into Ahsoka because we don't really know where I'm well, I guess we probably do. There's pro- Exegol is probably on a galactic map somewhere, right? Is it in the unknown regions? Uh, I have no idea. Dude, I saw that movie once. I don't remember anything about Well, it wouldn't be... The lore it, for... it, it, we wouldn't know it from the movie. Okay, um, well, I have no idea. I'm wondering if the visual dictionary... The visual dictionary probably has... Or the visual guide for Rise of Skywalker, which is the only one that I own. Because after seeing that movie, I was like, I really need the visual guide so that I can read some stuff that Pablo wrote in order to make this story make sense. Man, that first month after Tross was like me trying so hard to reconcile that <laughs> gong show of a story. And gong like, show, man, that's a reference be like this this is this is good right because it's funny because it's like because that was it was a similar experience with the last jedi and then i read the novelization for the last jedi and was like oh there's more here and went back and watched the movie again and was like okay okay i missed stuff right like i like i i i was i was conflicted after the first time that i saw the last jedi i was like "Mm, that was really good but i don't know how i feel about some stuff and uh, and then eventually, upon further introspection and uh, and inspection of the story, I was like, no, this is very very good stuff. This is very good Star Wars. Um, and I wanted to do the same thing with Tross, so I have the visual guide somewhere, but I don't know where it is. <laughs> well, well, I know me, where it is. I just me, don't know if I can pull it up. But. Let me ask you something. Do you think yeah. there is a possibility that 
because we got this episode that was obviously mostly focused on Pershing. And we had Book of Boba Fett where, you know, it was jumping away from the main story to set up more story later. Do you think there's a possibility that we will actually cut to Gideon for an episode and just spend the whole episode seeing the tribunal or how he escaped or whatever um, and seeing how he kind of got back into some sort of position of power and is now he's going after Bo-Katan with a fleet of TIE interceptors and, and all that stuff. Or do you think that that's not important? And uh, probably not going to veer away from it again, because the thing I keep going back to, uh, especially after this episode, like the fact that we spent so much time with Pershing. I keep thinking about Book of Boba Fett and how. I, I, I think I had mentioned before when, when we were talking, when we did our Book of Boba mm-hmm. Fett episodes, actually, that I knew two things in advance for about a year. I knew that Cad Bane and Cobb Vanth were going to uh, get in a gunfight and Cad Bane was going to win. And I knew that we were going to get a scene of Ahsoka and Luke talking about Anakin while watching Grogu train. And they came from a source that obviously I'm not going to name, but it is one that I trusted. And at the same time, I was still like, I can't believe we're going to get those things in the book of Boba Fett. And I keep thinking about that now in Mandalorian. And I keep wondering, are we going to get some stuff that nobody ever thought we were going to dedicate a full episode to in the Mandalorian after what we got for Book of Boba Fett? And now really after this one, it only kind of makes me feel like, oh, yeah, this is a this is a pretty strong possibility. Because you even said earlier, like, it's not just the Din and Grogu story. It's yeah. There's a larger story that they are a part of. This is like a bigger galaxy than just the two of them. Um, what do you think about how far from those characters we could go this season? And what would you want to see set up? Um, I think it would be a really cool surprise if we get introduced to Thrawn now in okay. Mando as opposed to like saving it for Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. I think it would be I think it would be really cool if if that's what this is this episode is pointing towards because like there's somebody pulling the strings. She's not doing that on her own. Um she's been given an order to sure. to to sure. wipe Pershing's mind, right? Um and so she and so she does this and she and she takes pleasure in it, which is a whole other thing. Um she a bad guy. Uh, she is evil. Um, I did. I did just confirm via the Rise of Skywalker visual guide that Exegol is in the unknown regions. Okay. So cool. we Ezra Thrawn connection, maybe. Sure. We know that that's where the Chiss are. Like that's where that's where uh, the Chiss ascendancy is is mm. in the unknown regions. We also know that. Um, that must be where Ezra is, right? Like that's that's been the assumption since the end of Rebels, is that like Ezra and Thrawn are somewhere in the unknown regions. Octo is also in the unknown regions. Um, it's right oh, on the okay. edge of it. I I and I yeah. So if Exegol is in the unknown regions, 
and Thrawn has ended up back in the unknown regions and the Chiss ascendancy is there. Um, it would make a lot of sense for Thrawn to actually be the big bad. I mean, like that's, I think that we already kind of know based on everything that that's exactly what's going on is that yeah, Thrawn he's is our, the big he's bad our Thanos. guy yeah. for the overall Mando era. Right. right. Like, because it can't be Palpatine. And I think that what we'll what we'll end up discovering is that is that Thrawn is working towards that goal of mm. of like that that he is the one who knows that the Sith Eternal are out there and that Palpatine's not gone and but he's the only one who knows right like he's the only Imperial that knows this um, and maybe there will be some Sith. Uh, uh, we might see some like red stormtroopers or something like that with him or, uh, you know, like something that sort of keys in that connection, which would be fantastic because it would start to justify some of that stuff from rise of Skywalker, which is absolutely all just like sprinkles on the cake, no substance whatsoever. Right. The, the, the Sith eternal stormtroopers, mm-hmm. there's like, there's no, like like why are these guys why do these guys look this way what do they do are they worse than regular stormtroopers there's nothing right they are literally just yeah and then and then the sith eternal have their own red stormtroopers with like weird do they fight anyone stuff. um there, there's a there's a few of them in the fight on the star destroyer Oh, on the surface of the Star Destroyer. Okay, right. And then, and then there are the there are the guards in in the chamber with Palpatine, right? Like, there's the couple that Ray fights, um, and then Ben shows up and he fights them as well, right? Okay. But they make pretty short work of them. Like Ray just yeah, just totally emasculates them. Uh, I that is that's not that's not me saying a random word. Like that's what she does. She just like she just completely is like yeah i'm a i'm this silly little girl with force powers uh, and i'm gonna destroy you guys it's it's one of like the it's one of the redeeming moments of rise of skywalker that whole sequence where when ben shows up like when she's there and ben shows up the way that that all ends sucks but i but everything leading up to that is like oh we're so close so close that's where I've, I've said this before. That's where rise of Skywalker fails for me. The most is not that like, it's an absolute travesty. It's that there are so many elements of it that are so close to greatness, but every time they get to a decision point, they do the lesser of, of two choices, right? It's like the costume design. There are, if you crack open that art of book, there is a design for Finn with this amazing yellow like puffer jacket that is just like, oh my god, Finn would have looked so good. And then what did they do? Ah, they made him like black Han Solo, right? Like like they took his outfit from the previous movies and they made it a vest so that he looked and they gave him the blue pants with the red stripes so that he looks like Han Solo, right? There's a there's an awesome design of Poe. Uh, with he's he's got like an undershirt sort of thing. It's like it's like a it's like a like a long sleeve polo, I guess, almost like rolled up with mm-hmm. like the sleeves rolled up, and then and then his flight suit, right? And and uh, and 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 he was gonna fly, I think, an A wing in the final sequence, and then they put him in the the worst deco for the X wing. Oh my god, I hate that the the orange. <laughs> 
the orange triangle deco it's so ugly but i i and and then with ray like they even went so far as to actually make the costume with the vest that was like reminiscent of leia's vest from hoth um and she and like there's like in the behind the scenes documentary you see it they're like they do screen tests with it and then they decided to just take it away and just make her look like she looked in the first movie that's like that stuff is just so uh indicative of the decision making process in that film of like somehow palpatine returned Mm. right how does she defeat him i don't know she puts her lightsabers together and uses a kamehameha blast and defeats him okay he just turns into into goop i i don't know she he disintegrates how is that different from what happened in return of the jedi uh all of the jedi that's true yeah okay okay um so yeah this is but but mando has the opportunity to take some of that story somehow palpatine returned and fill in that massive blank that like egregious blank of somehow Palpatine returned. Well, not somehow this, how, right? Like, uh, like let's tell that story guys. Who is Snoke? Well, let's, let's start to build that. Can you imagine, can you imagine a world where we get to see Thrawn in live action? It's like, this is, this is like end of the series stuff of like, Thrawn is losing the battle or whatever and the hologram comes up and it's Snoke and he's like the Emperor is most displeased with your performance we won't be sending reinforcements or something like that and it's just Andy Serkis just eating it up as Snoke because he's so (laughs) good in that role that we completely forget that it's Andy Serkis and then Andy Serkis shows up in Andor and we're like wow Andy Serkis is in Star Wars and everybody pauses for a second and go oh he's been in Star Wars since 2015 you guys oops oops our bad we forgot um because that's how good andy circus is uh talk about talk about underrated uh and you know like uh, uh overlooked jeez man um sh- he should have been nominated for an academy award for one of those planet of the apes movies <laughs> absurd absurd um but they would have nominated him in like best supporting actor when he's like the lead character in the film or something because they're like well because it's a cg role and it's like no no uh, he crushes it as Caesar. I uh, but anyways, he was um, Caesar. Yeah, yeah, he's Caesar in the in the the Planet of the Apes movies. I had Rise, no idea. Uh, Dawn and War. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, he's he's he is the best. Um, but yeah, uh, can you imagine if we got that though? If we got Thrawn and Snoke on screen at the same time <laughs> talking great. to each other, it's not it's actually not ridiculous it actually yeah. makes a lot of sense um and then and then you know like we end the, the the mandalorian saga whatever it ends up being whatever show or movie ends up finishing that story like the last shot similar to like the end of um revenge of the sith when we see uh uh vader and palpatine on the bridge of the star destroyer overseeing the the death star right if we were to like get that scene of hologram snoke yelling at thrawn and then thrawn gets blown up and then we cut we cut to uh i i snoke in on exegol 
and and like the arm like lowers down and palpatine mm. like is like everything is in place i uh, i uh, go go turn the last skywalker or something you know be better dialogue than that hopefully but <laughs> but like he's just like he's just like everything is proceeding as i have foreseen like just right. to literally say that same line again and and get like like oh cool palpatine actually he did have a plan right like it's a retcon because palpatine had nothing to do with the force awakens or the last jedi but um but it's a necessary retcon at this it would point help. because it, because it would rise help a lot. Yeah. necessitates it right so yeah mando like this i we need we we need a thing to call this time period um i but anyways i mean like i don't know i guess it's i guess it's just the new republic era right because it's like it's post return of the jedi but it's before the force awakens and the force awakens is literally the fall of the new republic i think they i think they refer to that era as the rise of the first order but um i i but yeah like in the in the same way that like the the period between um the prequels and the original trilogy is the rise of the empire uh or sometimes referred to as the dark times but but uh because of what obi-wan says but um but i think that it's like formally considered the rise of the empire and like before the clone wars is the fall of the republic and then we have the high republic and then we just have the age of the republic in between right uh and then age of rebellion is the galactic civil war and then post rebellion would be the new republic i guess i don't know so this new republic saga i i i don't i like because they've been impl- they implied that it's all going to build towards like a big event which i think we all consider like probably like a movie right like no like like this will all culminate in in a single unified story that brings together all of these yeah threads. it'll be avengers endgame yeah, where sure. we'll have Ahsoka and Ezra and uh, Cal Kestis and the Mandalorian and Grogu and maybe Luke Mandalorian, maybe Luke, and all of that. Defeat Thrawn. Uh, I, yeah, what I, a time to be alive. Listen, I said this on the on 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 Rebel Cells, and I'll say it here. Like in on Rebel Cells, I could see them doing some stuff with Joris Saboath, Kaboath, whatever his name is um, in that time period, doing like a smaller story with him. I could also see them doing a massive story with him in this time period with Mandalorian of him being sure, like, yeah. because we've got Grogu, right? So again, as I said on, on rebel cells, and as I'll probably say again, at some point while we talk about stuff, I, you know, darkness rises and light to meet it. Like, like that's, that's, how this works that's how the force works so uh we're in a weird spot where like luke the 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 balance actually isn't restored because luke is restoring the jedi right so it's like so actually it's tipping the scales back on in favor of the light but i i as opposed to where it ends up at the end of rise of skywalker which is more balanced because i think ray is more balanced I mean, Luke was balanced at the end of Return of the Jedi, but then we find out in Mando that he's not balanced at all. That he's then gone and found some books and 
I don't know, a compass and a bunch of other junk. And he's like, I'm going to make the Jedi again. And it's like, oh, Luke, you didn't learn anything, did you? <laughs> uh, he, and then we catch up with him in The Last Jedi. And Yoda's like, oh, my God, how are you still this stupid? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to hit you on the head with my stick. To I'm be fair, Yoda should have checked in a little bit before now. You know, yeah, yeah but, but, but also on Yoda's timeline, it's like, buddy, I can't take 30 years off. 900 years man 900 <laughs> years on the job 30 i guess I, I guess he did have a 30 year siesta on dagobah but 20 year siesta on dagobah 19 um but i uh, i yeah yeah no you're right yoda yoda definitely should have been popping in and being like maybe this ben solo maybe you should be a little bit more careful i don't know or obi-wan or anakin or, or anakin that's yeah well, there's lots of storytelling in there that we need an explanation for why the ghost of Anakin doesn't intercede at any point in time. Uh, it's not hard to write that, too, because it's just like, well, Palpatine was doing stuff. If Palpatine was an influence the entire time, if Palpatine was every voice that Ben ever heard inside his head, then we just need a storyline where we establish that Palpatine was actively blocking Ben Solo from access to the light side. Right. And that's why that's why he tends towards the dark, even though he like he's always conflicted and he's pulled back towards the light because it's his natural inclination. But if Palpatine's always blocking him from the light, basically like standing in front of the light and casting a shadow on him, then he's then the only source of power that he has is the dark side. And so that's where he goes. Right. Even though he doesn't want to. And it's actually not in his nature, as we discover by the end of the trilogy but that's a lot of stuff. is that it listen star wars is pretty cool uh yeah, i like i like i like the star wars thing i really wish that there were more people that were into it so we weren't just you know the two of us <laughs> having to talk about it all the time but you know you know um let's end on the a curse, happy note the curse of willow <laughs> Yeah, let's let's end on a happy note. I was just about to transition. And go, Willow got canceled, uh, uh, which is obviously not actually a happy note. It's no. a huge bummer. Uh, being that like I've talked about Willow a lot on Force Perspectives, I figured that we should call that out and and just make a note of it. That like yeah, so they 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 are not renewing Willow. They have they have canceled the show, which sucks because it ended on such a cliffhanger. All of that said, if you have not watched Willow. Still go watch it. Even even if it's just one season, it's absolutely worthwhile. There's more stories to tell there, and they'll tell them. It'll happen. I, I don't know if it'll be a show, right? But but like John Kasdan has more story. So I'm sure that he will fight tooth and nail to make sure that that story gets out in some fashion. Um, and I could see them doing like a comic book or a series of novels or something like that. Something that doesn't cost as much as an incredibly expensive fantasy television series. That's what it comes down to at the end of the day. And I, I know that everybody's really upset about it right now. And I'm right there with everybody. I almost cried in McDonald's tonight while I was having dinner with my girls. Because <laughs> I was just like, because the new, I read the news early this afternoon, pretty quick after it dropped. And immediately went to anger. That was the my first stage of grief. <laughs> and then eating dinner so we went to mcdonald's obviously for dinner tonight and um get the girls all situated with their stuff they're good they're eating their hamburgers and french fries and 
and uh drinking their chalky milks and uh and so i'm just on my phone like i'm I'm, i got my hamburger in one hand and my phone in the other and i'm like just scrolling uh grieving with everybody else on twitter about about this sad state of affairs and uh and as i did it like washed over me like the (laughs) sadness came and there was just a moment where i was just like i literally had to like hold it back because i was so upset because it just like it it's it is weird i knew that willow was going to be something that I enjoyed. I was really looking forward to it. And I was sitting there going like, I'm like the only one I'm going to be alone here. I am like, nobody else is going to give a single care about this show. And it's going to be, this is going to be John Carter all over again. I'm going to be telling people that they need to watch this show and they're going to look at me weird. They're going to watch one episode and tell me I'm an idiot. Right. <clears throat> Which is a lot of what has happened with John Carter is that I tell people and they are, oh, it's really long in the middle. I'm like, yeah, be a grown up for once. People talking is also a movie. It doesn't always have to be fights. Um, but uh, that's what I was. Pre- I was fully prepared for that. And then it became by like the fourth episode, all of a sudden, like, like uh, all of my favorite people were like, this show is great. And then eventually I got you into it and then Carl got into it and Kyle even watched it and was like, yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, Cause that's the best that you can sometimes get out of Kyle. Unless it's nice to the old Republic. Apparently right. he doesn't care. Oh, that, right. I, that reminds me. I forgot. I was supposed to, uh, Oh, that was bad batch. I was supposed was to list all of the, uh... all right. Well, yeah. luckily the list is zero. Nothing happened from <laughs> nice to the Republic. Nothing was referencing that. So to be fair, I did fulfill my promise to him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, so, so Willow ended up being this thing where like all the coolest people were like, Willow is awesome. And I was like, are you (laughs) like, are you guys for real on this? Like you guys aren't just, there wasn't like a giant conspiracy to just like gaslight Mike. (laughs) I like, yeah, the stupid fantasy show that you like based on that movie. That's kind of not actually that good. Um, I, you know, it, it has, it has shining moments that supersede the fact that the story is horribly paced and all over the place, but, but mythically it's tight. And, uh, and, and that, the, the, the Eversisk is rad, which is the two headed dragon. Mm. Um, and Val Kilmer is great. So, uh, and then they all get turned into pigs and it terrifies me and those trolls, those trolls still bug me, man. They still bug me. I'm still scared. I, I, since since I was just a just a, a little uh, nerd watching Willow on a Saturday afternoon matinee uh, on TV, uh, it's just terrifying stuff. But uh, yeah, like like I like I I really really thought that I was going to be by myself, and then <laughs> it was like this whole fandom crops up around it. Marie Claire and Missy doing these incredible deep dive episodes on what the force um, that just like take what was already a fun experience and just go like, yeah, but guys look at this, like, <laughs> look at this. And I, and it just being like, Oh my God, this is like a, this is like a seminar on storytelling. Like this is, it's, it is a thesis. Like it is John Kasdan being like, this is how you do it guys. This is how you tell a fulfilling hero's journey with all of these mythic archetypes 
this is the most Star Wars thing since Disney bought Lucasfilm. <laughs> and yet, like, as many people in my circle, and my, I, I said earlier today, like, my echo chamber is very loud today. Because, like, if I open up Twitter right now and start scrolling, it is just people upset about this cancellation. And I know that that's not indicative of the larger reality because I talk to people and they go, what's Willow? And I go, it's a movie from the eighties and a series that just aired on Disney plus for eight weeks. What do you mean? What's Willow? And they're like, I I don't know. Is it a star Wars thing? Why are you telling me about it? I was like, is it a star Wars thing? Maybe actually it might be. Um, But uh, man, if they had just look, if they had committed on that, I know that there was the April Fool's joke a few years ago, a few years ago. That was like 15 years ago, Mike, you're old. I, there was an April Fool's joke back in the days, even before social media, I think uh, I, on starwars.com where they, they added to the data bank. It was like the old school data bank. Uh, they added uh, 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 Anduin. I think it's Anduin is the name of the planet to the, like they added it to the galaxy map and we're like, oh, yep, really? it's, a, it's a planet in star Wars. Um, and, and the magic in Willow is all just the force. I, uh, and I think even in the, like the, in the entry, it was like much like the night sisters of Dathomir or something like that. Um, people on, on Anduin have, have access to force powers that, that appear to be magic. Right. That, that sort of awesome. thing. Um, how much more successful would Willow have been? If they had gone, this is part of Star Wars now. (laughs) Disney and Lucasfilm are deciding this is not its own thing, that this is part of Star Wars. It's just a part of the, it's in the unknown regions. It's a part of the galaxy. The Jedi don't have like any influence. The Empire, it's never been a part of any of this other stuff. It's this weird edge of the galaxy thing that, um, that has a life of its own. And so it is star Wars Willow, right? Like Willow, a star Wars story, right? If they, if they had just done that branding, how much more successful would the show have been? Yeah. Oh, it wouldn't be canceled. Probably. Probably not. Um, missed opportunity. I guess, I guess canceled is the wrong word, right? What they say, not renewed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's, it sucks. It's a bummer. Um, those characters are just like they are very special and my connection to this story is just like it's it is i can i can talk about a lot of things at length as i have demonstrated for joe (laughs) this evening having recorded once again once again for three hours (laughs) i but i can't articulate for some reason why this story in particular is so special to me, but it is. I, I, can I just tell you? Yeah. Literally two days ago. Um, I, I was explaining to some friends of mine that I had gone out with that, you know, cause they were not fans of Willow either. And I hadn't really thought about the series a lot since maybe, um, you know, I had watched it when the finale came out. You had gotten me into yeah. it just before that fin- uh, finale debuted. And I loved it. And for about a month, I was thinking about it a lot. And then after that, not 
not a ton since then, probably because, you know, Bad Batch was back and looking forward to Mando and then everything with Celebration was going on. So I've just kind of been focused on Star Wars pretty much 24-7, it feels like. But all of a sudden, you know, we were talking about shows and movies, whatever. I was like, oh, you know what was a big surprise was was Willow. And my go-to pitch now is exactly the thing that you had said when I was articulating to you that, you know, Tina had watched the first episode and she really liked it, but she was having a hard time with the, um, like the verbiage just being like a little bit our world. And the way you had described it was no, no, no. Here's the way you got to look at it to get past that. It's basically you and your friends playing an amazing D and D campaign. And like, obviously real world phrasing is going to come. It's going to trickle in and leak into that. But for the most part, it's everything is really well written and it's, you know, it's just you and your buddies. So you're going to you're going to slip. You're going to have some earth, you know, dialogue in there. And man, let me tell you, anybody that I pitched that to has said, oh, that sounds really cool. I'm going to check that out. Even the people I was with the other day. It's like, oh, that actually sounds pretty decent. All right. I'll I'll, I'll give it a whirl. So all for not, I guess. But and and I think like I think that Disney is being too quick to make a decision here yeah this is this feels very trigger happy i i wouldn't be surprised if in a year like i don't i'm not i'm not willing to give up hope just yet i i think that there's (laughs) still i think that there's still a possibility that we could turn this thing around and the reason why is because dungeons and dragons is coming out in a couple weeks Mm. or a couple weeks next week no it's april right is it march it does is March come... No, no. Like, does D- does, does oh, Dungeons and Dragons yeah, come out sure. this month? Um, I think depending on how that does, that that could uh, that could change the the conversation. That could be a, a real mm-hmm. um, sticking point of like, hey, uh, Disney, you guys actually have one of these. You just did it, and then you just said that you canceled it. Um, Dungeons and Dragons movie release date. No, not that one. Not the, not the, not the Honor Among Thieves, please. Uh, it premiered on March 10th. Yeah, so people have seen it. When does it premiere for me? When can I go see it? <laughs> March 31st. So it is, it's a couple of weeks away. Um, but uh, yeah, like if this movie does well, then I think that there's a potential that, that they'll, that they'll go back and they'll do another season of Willow or that it could, maybe it'll take on a different form. Maybe they'll do a movie in order to, 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 or two movies rather than, rather than spend the money to, to do a series. Right. But like to do two, like, you know, straight to Disney plus movies to wrap it up. I don't, I don't, I, it's, Iger has come back in and I get it as an executive, as a CEO, you got to come back and you got to clean stuff up. Chapik, whiffed it right but here's the thing Iger was a vision guy and he oversaw all of the marvel acquisition the disney acquisition or sorry the lucasfilm acquisition like all of the the fox stuff like like Iger is the guy who architected all that stuff right he's the ceo in charge when all of that was happening um and turn disney into what it is now now is disney a little bit bloated at the moment i think it probably is like they've got they have they have way too many plates to spin and and you know they have all the resources to do it because they're disney but 
you know, you're just, it's, it's, it's hard to manage that big of a portfolio. Mm. Um, and you have to have faith in the individual leadership within each of those, which I, I think that they do with some of them, but not with others. So I think that Lucasfilm gets a little bit, they get a little bit too hands-on with Lucasfilm and it, and it's caused some problems. Uh, and, and, uh, and I think maybe they've actually been a little bit too hands off with Marvel and that's kind of, we're kind of in a weird spot with Marvel right now where like, I'm starting to me, a huge Marvel fanboy is starting to go like, "Mm, I think maybe we need to pump the brakes on some of this stuff because these movies are not been, they haven't been stellar since Mm. Endgame. other than no way home and Shang-Chi. I don't really feel that any of the movies have been like home runs. Right. Um, some of the shows have for sure. So it's like, I don't know, maybe that's just where their focus is right now. But um, but but with this Lucasfilm stuff and with Willow, I think that like Chapik Chapik was just kind of like he's a financial guy. Right. Like he he was he he was I think he was the CFO before he became the CEO when when Bob Iger retired. Right. And uh, he was doing such a bad job because, because like you can't put a CFO in charge of the vision of the of a of a creative company. That's a bad bad choice. Um, they sh- they really should have like looked for someone else, mm-hmm. and they realize that now. And so Iger has come back, and Iger is, uh, but Iger is coming back, and he's making a lot of financial decisions rather than sticking to vision. And the thing is, is that like. Willow was greenlit when Iger was in charge. So it's not like he's coming in and going like, this wasn't my idea, but he is coming in and going, Chapik mismanaged this. And so now it's a dead property, right? Like that's, that's sort of, I think his, his attitude. And he's coming in and he's talking about solo and how solo underperformed. And, you know, like they, they made a lot of mistakes on that. And that's why they're pumping the brakes on all the movies. And it's like, but at the same time, I was talking to Matt Campbell about this earlier today, and he had said, like, but, like, why is there no mention of Rise of Skywalker? Which was, like, poorly received critically, and, like, the fans don't like it, and it didn't make as much money as the ones before it, as the Mm. two before it, despite them making a big, big... Actually, I don't know know if that's 100% true. I don't know where TLJ sits in, in in the ranking between the three of them. But I know that The Force Awakens made more money than either of them, right? Because The Force Awakens is like, it's what is it? I think it's in like the number three rank right now or something. Because I think that No Way Home is number one. And I don't know where Avatar Way of Water is in that now. Because it's, mm. it's in like that top five. Um, I think I think Way of Water might be number two. Or maybe it's number one. I don't know. But um, but in any case, like like The Force Awakens is like up there. And Rise and TLJ didn't make it anywhere near, like like uh, I, like that the like those top spots. I think they're maybe in the t- top ten, but there's a lot of Marvel movies in the top ten as well. Um, so, like financially, like yeah, Solo is the biggest whiff out of all of the movies that have come out. You guys also released it six months after the Last Jedi and didn't market it right. Like Solo did not get good marketing it didn't get good merchandising i mean like i shouldn't say that the merch for solo was actually awesome the 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 campaign for solo was really good but they didn't put muscle behind it 
like yeah. it just kind of went out and died on the vine and um then the, the production troubles and whatever but like Iger's kind of just been walking around spouting off about stuff which is weird but i think it's just to rally investors like it, it, there what what people need to remember is that like the executives are playing a different game and and the things that we love Star Wars and Willow and Marvel and Indiana Jones they're chess pieces on a board to these people right and and that's some of them are worse about it than others i personally believe that Iger has treated a lot of these properties with a lot of respect but I think that he's also been put in a really crappy position. I mean, like he exited at the absolute worst time, right? Like he saw, like he he made the whole thing of like, oh, you know, like I stuck around longer than I wanted to because of the pandemic, but now it's time for me to retire. And he handed over everything in turmoil, gave it to Ch- Chapek, who is a financial guy, and was like, sort it all out. <laughs> Good luck. And Chapek had no idea how to fix it. And didn't and what? What did he last like a year before they brought Iger back in? Yeah. So I uh, so now Iger's got to come back in and he's got to be the bad guy. Um, and that's not for the benefit of the creatives. It's not for the benefit of the stories that they're telling, or any of the properties that they own. That's for the benefit of investors. That's for shareholders. He's coming back in and he said, "I'm going to whip this all into shape." Well, how are you whipping it all into shape? I am canceling projects. We are not going to spend as much money until we start making money, right? So, I uh, like it's it's a uh, it's it's a tough it's a tough spot, and uh, that's where we're gonna that's where we're gonna cut it off because uh, Disney somehow is listening to this recording and <laughs> uh, and, and is attacking uh, Joe's internet connection. Yeah, um, they're they're upset with me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, so before they come after me, we're going to wrap it up there. I think Bob Iger is doing a great job and uh, <laughs> everybody should, you know, just give him the benefit of the doubt. He knows what he's doing. But Bob, um, please reconsider Willow. Please. Bob, please reconsider Willow, Bob. Bob, Robert, Robbie, can I call you that? Uh, please, please. Come on, man. This show is so good. You know that part at the at the in the last episode when like she does the thing and then the thing turns into the the stuff and then it's like oh my god that was the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life mm-hmm. and then she fights the thing and it's so good and the cool guy armor finally works and so good some stuff man whole season i wish i wish you never told me about this show oh my god that's not true i I did i did have a moment of like (laughs) guilt it's like i saw you you commented and then i saw carl post something on twitter (laughs) and i was like i'm sorry guys i'm so sorry you could just firefly all over again except that this show was good hey hey don't be that guy all right don't be Uh, We, we don't we separate the art from the artist. <laughs> oh, hey, I had uh, controversial opinions about Firefly long before we found out Joss Whedon was trash. <laughs> um, no, yeah. Film film and television are collaborative mediums, and so it's not any one person. So it is possible to watch Buffy and not 
uh, be a bad person. Yes, um, absolutely. Uh, and to like that show because there were a lot of people that contributed to making that show what it was. Same with Angel, Firefly, Dollhouse less so. There's a lot of people going like, are we sure that we should let this happen? It seems seems an awful lot like he's living out his fantasies on this one and everybody was like uh hopefully they cancel it after one season um which did they i don't know that one went too i think right but i don't i don't think i never watched all anyways no idea anyways i the mandalorian was a great episode willow was a great series it still could be a greater series (laughs) with more um it's just like, come on, man. You ended on like the dire straits and the fire breathing dragons and on the army of demon minions and sexy Alora Dannon being all like, join me and together we can rule the galaxy. And I'm just <laughs> like, come on, man. I need more. I. Yeah. Uh, John Kasdan, if you ever hear this, I'm sorry that this is the way that things keep playing out for these amazing stories that you keep throwing at us. Solo got cut off uh, before it could get going, and uh, uh, and and then and then this. It ain't fair. It ain't fair. But whatever he does next, I'll be there. I'll I'll, I'll I'd like whatever John Kasdan does next. I am in line already. Uh, let's go because the last two things have been two of my absolute fate. I mean, like solo is my favorite star Wars movie and, uh, and Willow is one of my favorite TV shows of all time. So, you know, like just, uh, he'll, he'll be fine. He'll make something new, probably a star Wars <laughs> He'll land on his feet. He'll be okay. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that, maybe he'll write an Indiana Jones. I, Oh man. Can you imagine? Oh, I'm going to just put this out into the universe. We all know what's going on with Kihei Kwan right now. Oh and my can god. Can you imagine if he wrote the short round movie? Oh I'm gonna man. start the campaign starts here and now. All Lawrence right. Kasdan no Lawrence Kasdan, John Kasdan. I mean Lawrence Kasdan can help too. He he did a good job on those last two <laughs> Star Wars movies he did. The the three previous, all those Indiana Jones movies that he wrote. Uh John Kasdan writing Kihei Kwan starring a short round we get a nice cameo from indy from harrison at the beginning uh, or maybe even just at the end but yeah man i want i want short round the movie let's go and you know what here's what i here's what i would do bring back mutt uh (laughs) please no you lost me i lost you i lost you i love you but you lost me I think you give Shy another shot, and I think that he might be able to do something. I cool. feel like but... I've given him plenty of shots. <laughs> uh, cool. That's it. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We'll be back next week for Chapter 20 of The Mandalorian. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Thunderquack Force Perspectives. Our opening theme is composed for us by Christy Carew. Follow Force Perspectives on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at ForcePOV. And join us on Discord at thunderquack.com discord. Support the show by visiting us at patreon.com thunderquack to get early access to episodes, leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast service, 
or buy merch at store.thunderquack.com. Force Perspectives is a part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network.